Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Second Take. Today, we are going to be doing our weekly NFL update, our power rankings after a wild week eight. We thought that week seven was crazy. Week eight was even crazier. Um, and then we are also going to dive right into a player head-to-head, Trevor Lawrence edition. Where would he rank amongst the quarterbacks, some of the quarterbacks in the NFL that we think are kind of right around his ballpark? And then, of course, we can't let this podcast go without a reaction to another James Harden trade. James Harden Fallout 3.0 edition. What will happen with the Clippers? Uh, So stay tuned for that at the end. But we're going to jump right into the power rankings. Ryan, give me your one through five and your honorable mention for this week. Yeah, so my one through five, I have at number one, the Eagles, the Ravens, a high riser at number two. The Jags at number three, Kansas City number four, and the Dolphins number five, with the Lions as my team outside looking in. Okay, I was surprised by your top two, mostly because we agree. I have the Eagles and the Ravens one and two. I have the Chiefs at three, the Cowboys back in it. I can't quit the Mm. Cowboys. You know what I mean? If the Niners aren't going to be in there, the Cowboys are going to be in it at number four. Um, the Jags at five, and I have Miami at six. Yeah, I mean, the hardest ranking for me on this power rankings was between two and three. I thought the Eagles were pretty solid, number one. Only one lost team, uh, still found a way to beat the Commanders. But the Ravens are six and two, the Jags are six and two, and the Jags have won five in a row, with four of those five being on the road. My biggest reasoning for having them just below the Ravens and the Ravens higher, even though they barely beat, I mean, barely, they comfortably beat the Cardinals, but it was a lot closer than it should have been, um, was the win difference. I mean, the Ravens have beaten the Bengals, the division, all good teams, and they killed the Lions, which was a big reason why they ended up being propelled so high, because they beat the crap out of a team that's actually good. And... Um, they're actually currently first, the Ravens are, in points allowed per game at 15 per game. And that was something that really impressed me, especially with the opponents they've been playing. And so they got that slight edge over Jacksonville for me, who's pretty good, 10th in offense, 10th in defense, but just on the longest winning streak right now. Yeah, I I agree with Baltimore uh, at two firmly. They have... One of the best defenses in the NFL, as you pointed out, definitely a top five. They're there with the caliber of, you know, the Browns, the Jets, the Cowboys, you know, the Niners when they actually decide to show up. Um, And even the Jacksonville Jaguars have, you know, a top 10 defense this year. I just pick Baltimore because they have a better player at quarterback. You know, they have Lamar Jackson. uh, He's has probably the most weapons he's ever had since his MVP campaign. Uh, And I just can't quit this team, man. I had him early on in the year as a sleeper Super Bowl contender. Um, And they're proving me right so far. So the biggest discrepancy that I have is I put the Chiefs at three and I put the Jags at five. Why did you give the edge to Jacksonville over Kansas City? 
Yeah, and I know Kansas City had won their head-to-head matchup early in the year, 17-9. to The Jags did get off to a rough start at 1-2, and two. and with this being power rankings, I feel like currently Jacksonville is playing better football than the Kansas City Chiefs. They Chiefs still have a good defense, second in points allowed, but they lost a game to Denver where it felt like, because I watched that game, I'm a Denver fan, finally beat them after like 16 losses in a row. It felt like they just thought they were going to win the whole game. Even coming into the fourth quarter, they were just like, ah, we got this, you know, we can do a crazy comeback and win. They had five turnovers in that game. And, you know, they've beaten some decent teams. Uh, The Chiefs, like I said, they beat the Jags, they beat the Jets. Uh, Vikings, a solid win pre-Kirk Cousins injury. Nothing crazy, though. Haven't had a crazy schedule. I just think the Jags have played a slightly better schedule. They've won a lot of road games, and they're currently what, like, they have, like I said, they have the longest winning streak in the NFL. Might be the hottest team in the NFL at the moment. Yeah. um, Jacksonville, honestly, is probably the biggest surprise team this year, in my opinion, in a good way, right? There's a lot of teams that have kind of surprised us in a bad way. You know, the Niners are starting to fall apart. Um, you know, Miami can't win a big game, for crying out loud. And Dallas is going to Dallas. <laughs> but Jacksonville, I did not have them anywhere close to my top five power rankings heading into the season. The biggest jump for me, for the biggest difference maker for them is has been Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne is a bona fide legit MVP candidate this year, and their defense is also legit. But I just can't get over the fact that the Chiefs have a head-to-head win in Jacksonville over this team, right? If I were to pick a team to win a a playoff game, if they were to match up again in the playoffs, I'm going to roll with Kansas City, right? Kansas City had an ugly game against Denver. Um, And Denver, you know, isn't necessarily very good, but they're also now three and four. They're right back in it after starting the year terribly. So who knows? Denver, like I said in our division talk preseason picks, I could I saw Denver as one of those teams that could just rattle off a bunch of wins because of the caliber of team they have. They just haven't been able to put it together. Um, I my my counter to the whole Denver loss and how that was ugly was the loss to tech, the Houston Texans. Jacksonville has a loss 37 to 10 against CJ Stroud, right? So both of these teams have bad losses and Kansas City has a head-head win. So that's that's why I picked Kansas City over Jacksonville. Yeah, and that's fair. Like I said, I think my number one big reason my determining factor was just the uh the five in a row winning streak in each of those games being in a different city, one being overseas, I believe. And that was just what it came down to for me. If you were to square off against, you know, let's say you are a wild card team, which team would you rather play in the playoffs? In the playoffs, I'd rather play the Jacks because Patrick Mahomes is on the Chiefs. And that's what it comes down to. But... I do think it is worth mentioning Jags played the Chiefs last year in the playoffs, and they put up a pretty solid fight in Trevor Lawrence's second season. So I do think 
the Jags are starting to become more comparable just because the Chiefs have a wide receiver issue currently. They do. I think they it's have safe to say. Yeah, I think it's safe to say um, that this team has more weaknesses on offense than they've ever had. And it's really up to Mahomes and Kelsey, it feels like. And if one of them isn't on the top of their game, they just, you know, they're not really all the way there, not as special. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I do ultimately think Kansas City will be the better team at the end of the year. But just as of today, Jacksonville's playing a little better in my eyes. Okay. Yeah, both. I mean, Kansas City has a big game against Miami. Uh you had did you have Miami in your in your top five or did they fall out? Yes, so they're number five for me. Okay. And you had Detroit at number six. I did have Detroit at number six. There were I had, a lot of teams, man, that you could have yeah. just put in here. There were there's a thousand six and two teams right now. It feels like. Yeah, I mean Dallas was really close for getting in to me. I mean the biggest reason I feel like I dropped them out is because the Arizona loss was probably was the worst deadly. loss of any team in this top like seven category. And, um, you know, the Lions bounced back after a bad loss, only gave up seven points on defense, um, still playing pretty good despite getting killed by the Ravens that one week. So I felt good about having them in. Dolphins, just the same story. Defense is questionable, haven't beaten anyone good yet. But as you said, they get a chance against Kansas City next week to show us what they got yet again. Yeah, I think that's the biggest reason why I had Miami a lot lower than I typically do. I mean, I kind of have always had them fluctuating. The highest I had them was two. This is the lowest was outside of the power rankings week one, but um, this is the lowest ever since they've made it into the power rankings that I've had them. And I think it comes back to what you said. They have yet to have a marquee win. Right? Their defense is questionable, questionable, but the biggest aspect is they have yet to have that marquee win. Both times that they've faced off against a marquee opponent, they've got punched in the face and they haven't been able to respond. So this week we'll see what happens versus Kansas City. Big game, fun game, pro- one of the games of the week. I mean, this week has loaded so many matchups that we could dive into, um, but none more exciting than Kansas City and Miami. Uh, but we'll see who 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 are you taking in that game. I'm taking um, Kansas City yet again because number two in defense currently points allowed, best defense they've ever had um, against the OK Miami defense. Um, so I think Kansas City wins in a close game. Um, I'm thinking like like a 28-24 type of game. I'm taking Kansas City. Can't hate the pick. I honestly have no idea. I want to see Miami finally get that marquee win, but I'm never going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So, All right, just to recap, I had the Eagles at number one, Baltimore at number two, Kansas City at three, Dallas at four, Jacksonville at five and Miami outside looking in and Ryan you had the Eagles at one Baltimore at two same there Jacksonville at three big leapers Kansas City at four um, 
Miami at five and Detroit at six. Okay. Yeah, pretty solid in the toughest week of power rankings by far. Definitely, definitely. Teams that could have gotten mentions, Seattle, mm-hmm. sitting atop of their division for now. Um, and I can't quit on the Niners, even though they're 0-3 the past three weeks. So They just we'll lost see. three in a row, so it's hard to put them in the yeah. power rankings when they're not currently playing that well. But so. This week is loaded. We'll probably have another giant mix-up heading into next week. I hope so. That means we had some good football games. All right, that was our section on power rankings. Let us know what your power rankings for the NFL after week eight look like. Um, let us know if you agree, disagree. Honestly, just let us know. Okay. Now we're going to head into one of our favorite segments of the NFL podcast is a player head-to-head. And speaking of the giant risers this week, Jacksonville Jaguars, their starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. We're going to be pitting him up against some quarterbacks that may or may not bring up bring controversy to the Second Take Sports Podcast. That's what we like to do. Um, but we're going to start right off. Trevor Lawrence versus Kirk Cousins. Who would you take? I'm taking Kirk Cousins in this matchup. Um, Who would you take, Trevor Lawrence or Dak Prescott? Give me Trevor Lawrence. Who are you taking, Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray? Once again, give me Trevor Lawrence. What about Trevor Lawrence versus Jared Goff? I'm going with Jared Goff. I think that was the easiest one. Okay. So you took Trevor Lawrence over Kirk, Dak, and Kyler, but picked Jared Goff over uh, Trevor Lawrence. Actually, I might have said it wrong, but I take take Kirk Cousins over Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Kirk Cousins, yes. So I want Cousins over Lawrence, but I picked Trevor over Dak and Kyler and give me Jared Goff over Lawrence. Okay. For me, I'm going to go Kirk and Dak over Trevor for now. And I'm going to take Trevor over Kyler and Jared. Mm. Um, I think we can both agree Trevor Lawrence, if we're basing this ranking off of future potential or who would you draft today, you know, for the rest of their career, we'd obviously take Trevor Lawrence. Could we agree there? Yeah, not a difficult decision. So that's not much of an argument. I'm just going to base this off of, okay, when healthy for one season heading into this season, who would you rather have? And that's kind of how I'm basing my ranking off of. So... Uh, let's get into it. We both picked Kirk over Trevor. Why? Yeah, I mean, so over career numbers, that's not really close, obviously, because Lawrence is in his third season. Um, but the thing is, Cousins has multiple years where he has he's had 30 touchdown passes, under 10 picks, thrown for 4,000 yards. So even Kirk Cousins at his peak statistically is still a little bit better than Trevor Lawrence has done so far in his early career. I mean, Trevor's more athletic and he can run more, but Trevor also won an early playoff game, but Kirk Cousins has been to the playoffs multiple times. He's been able to win at least a game in the playoffs a couple of different times. Um, and like you said, no doubt Trevor's off to a better career start. But, you know, just today, besides the injury for Kirk Cousins, um, I I want Kirk Cousins. Just think he's the better player right now. Um, play slightly smarter. 
underrated talent wise for sure. Um, you know, he's going to give you 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, not a lot of turnovers, just play smart, get you to the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. So Trevor Lawrence, as we all know, had a horrific rookie season. But I'm going to cough that up to Urban Meyer, okay, and the whole dysfunction that was happening. So if we omitted Trevor Lawrence's rookie year stats, just wiped them off the face of the earth because, honestly, they would do him more harm than good in this scenario, Kirk Cousins still has a better passer rating, touchdown to interception ratio, completion percentage, yard per attempt, and yards per game than Trevor Lawrence does over the span of the career. So I know it's early. Trevor Lawrence has two full seasons, one which was a crapshoot, and then a half here so far. But Kirk Cousins, I mean, all he does is produce, and he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, So I don't think there's much of an argument to be made for Trevor Lawrence heading into this year. But I could see as soon as next season, Trevor Lawrence having a bit more of an argument if he goes on a run with this Jaguars team that's on fire. Oh, yeah. If they make a run in the playoffs and they do something special with that team or Lawrence just tears it up for the rest of the season, there can definitely be an argument to be made. So we both are taking Kirk Cousins over Trevor Lawrence. Let us know how you guys feel about that. Um, and then we both picked Trevor Lawrence over Kyler Murray. What's kind of your reasoning behind taking Lawrence over Murray? Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray is a better runner. He's probably one of the top five runners at the QB position. Yeah, so he does sure. add a little more rushing. Um, but all of his numbers are comparable to Trevor Lawrence's second year, maybe a little more passing yards. Um, Kyler Murray has been good, but he hasn't been great. Um, and I think that Trevor Lawrence impacts early in his career because Kyler's only played three and a half years with the ACL. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence impacts his team winning more than Kyler Murray does. I think Kyler Murray needs more and better pieces around him um, for the team to be successful than Trevor Lawrence does. I mean, Lawrence already has one playoff win. Murray did go to the playoffs and they didn't win. They kind of fell apart to end that season. And this year being kind of when he comes back from his ACL a make or break for Kyler Murray's future with the Cardinals, it sounds like also says a little bit about how they feel about him. If he plays well, they might continue to give him another shot. If he doesn't, they might look to pick a QB with their high draft pick in their tankathon this season. So ultimately I go with Trevor Lawrence just because I believe he impacts winning more right now. He's been able to win more with kind of a similar type of roster as Kyler Murray's best roster. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Kyler Murray, he's only ever made it to the playoffs once in in his tenure. Uh, he's only played one game. And Trevor Lawrence already has a playoff win, right? He's already got more success, um, if you're looking at it team-wise, than Kyler does and honestly their teams are pretty comparable skill wise I mean you got D hop and JJ Watt and all these players that those years in in Arizona and Kyler hasn't really been able to do much maybe too much Call of Duty maybe too much video games who knows rumor has um, I like to compare Kyler Murray to Russell Westbrook in the way that he will make a play that you're like dude you're the only person on earth that can make that play 
there was a last season, I believe it was, there was a two point conversion where he ran like 50 yards and then ended up, you know, scrambled for 50 total yards and then had to run back in, you know, it's like, you know, he can make plays that he shouldn't, but then he turns around and he throws an interception. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's the most turnover prone out of this whole list. And again, uh, the flip side of the Kirk Cousins argument applies for Trevor Lawrence here. He has a better passer rating, touchdown interception ratio, yard per attempt. The only thing that Kyler Murray really does better is running, but it's not enough to really create that sizable of a gap. So I'm taking Trevor Lawrence um, because he just, outside of his rookie year, he just doesn't make as many mistakes and he's proven to be more of a leader, which is what you really need at the quarterback position. I agree with that. And if Kyler Murray was that right now, the Cardinals wouldn't be giving him a test run to end the season when he comes back. Exactly. I mean, it's as simple as Kyler Murray's playing for his job and Trevor Lawrence is not. So He's playing to win playoff games. Yeah. Um, now we're going to jump into where we just differed. Okay. We're going to start off with Jared Goff. You took Goff and I took Lawrence. Why did you pick Goff? I'm really surprised you didn't go with Jared Goff here, honestly. I thought this one was the easiest one, and I also thought Kirk Cousins was an easy one. But, like, Jared Goff has had more playoff success. I mean, obviously, he's had better teams, but he's been to the Super Bowl, been the playoffs a couple times, won multiple playoff games. Also, at his peak, he's had better statistical statistical seasons than Trevor Lawrence. He's had multiple 4,000-yard passing seasons, low turnovers under 10 picks, high 20s like 29, 32, 28 touchdown passing seasons. Um, And especially the last two seasons, I feel like Jared Goff is getting close to being an elite-level quarterback. Not quite there, but he's been really good these last two years. And, you know, Jared Goff is currently in the prime of his career. He's at the peak of his powers. I would consider Jared uh, Trevor Lawrence just a step behind him right now, mostly due to him being in his third season because third season Lawrence is better than third season golf. But um, today, right now, I think that experience that golf uh, brings uh, helps out a lot in contributing to the team's success. I think the reason I went with Lawrence here is I, again, I omitted vanished, destroyed the rookie season. The Urban Meyer season. The Urban Meyer season. I'm not taking that into consideration at all because that was just a mess, right? You can't ask for him to come in his rookie year and deal with that dysfunction because as soon as they got rid of the dysfunction, what happened? You know, he looked like a first overall pick. Uh, He looked like Trevor Lawrence again. Ever since then, you know, their their passer ratings are similar career-wise. Goff's at a 93. Lawrence is at a 94. Goff's at a 2.2 touchdown interception ratio compared to 2.8 for Lawrence. Uh, 7.4 to 7 yards per attempt and total yards per game is almost even with 262 for Lawrence and 264 for Goff. I think I went with Lawrence here because... I want to see Goff have a good playoff run. 
Mm-hmm. His playoffs are bad. Um, the second worst comparably in this group with a 57% completion percentage, only 216 yards per game and an 80 rating. Um, he's kind of been carried in the postseason as opposed to the other way around. Now, Lawrence's first game, he threw, what, four interceptions against the Chargers? But still had enough composure to beat the mighty Justin Herbert. So, Oh, yeah. I don't know. It I would be the Chargers. Really, it would be. The Chargers are going to Chargers, but that's another. Anyway, this one is a coin toss, and I just went with Trevor um, because of the slight advantage to not turn the ball over outside of his rookie season. But really, I mean, Goff's on a career year. Goff's having a better year this year, right? So I can't hate that take. Yeah, and I mean, so you're basically saying if Goff had played better in the playoffs, you'd feel better about picking him. Um, And I guess the only thing I can say about that is he did at least, like Trevor Lawrence in that Chargers game, he at least played well enough for the team to win um, most of the time, even though... You know, they never won a Super Bowl out of it. You know, the Super Bowl, no one could score in the one that they went to. Surprise, surprise. But he at least played well enough for them to win games, which. Yeah. I mean, Goff, we'd have a totally different conversation if Goff hasn't been playing as well as as he is this year. Right. He's having a resurgence. But I just don't think a team's ever going to trade off with Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? And maybe that's maybe the whole future bias played into my pick here, but you know I'm not sure. It's a wait and see, to be honest, for this pick. But I just lean towards Trevor. But yeah, I I have no real good reason why. So all right, another one that we deferred on is Dak Prescott, and I was honestly surprised by my own pick here. Me too. I'm not going to lie. Um, so Dak's two best seasons in his career are better than Trevor Lawrence his second year. What he had statistically speaking, at least yards, touchdowns. Um, Dak's teams have always as well had way more expectations. Maybe it's yes, just a Dallas thing true. like we've talked about. But they've always seemed like they have loaded offenses. Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, C.D. Lamb, um, Jason Witten. Like, they're always having all these guys, always supposed to have these good teams. Dak even has a better QB rating. Um, I don't know if excluding his rookie year, if that changes much there. No, yeah, him and uh, Dak and Kirk actually have a 98. Both of them Mm. do for their careers, which is higher than... Lawrence is 94. Okay. Yeah. So it is still higher. Um, but going back to kind of my thing with Kyler Murray with Dak Prescott, I think Trevor Lawrence impacts winning more than Dak Prescott does. He is relied on more to win games than Dak Prescott. Second year's Trevor stats are comparable to what Dak normally puts up year in and year out. If you take out, you know, his two top tier seasons and, you know, like you've said before, the Cowboys win, but not necessarily because of Dak Prescott. Like, he's kind of there. Sometimes he makes some good plays. But Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars win because of him and most of their wins. And that ultimately led me to pick Trevor Lawrence over Dak Prescott. I can't hate your argument. 
Trevor Lawrence is doing more with less, even though this year, you know, Travis Etienne is balling out. He's got some weapons, Captain Kirk and Calvin Ridley at the receiver position, and his defense is also playing at a top 10 level. So to be honest, if I'm comparing apples to apples, at least as far as this season is concerned, the Jaguars aren't too far off talent-wise from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the reason why I went with Dak is because after I laid out all of the numbers, all of the stats, Dak Prescott dang near has the exact same stats as Kirk. They both have a 98 passer rating. They both have a 2.5 touchdown to interception ratio. Both have a 67% completion percentage, 76 yards per or 7.6 yards per attempt. And Dak actually has three more total yards per game, if you include his running, than Kirk Cousins. So I was thinking if I'm going to take Kirk, then I have to take Dak, even though it pains me to say it, <laughs> because he has better stats over his career than Trevor Lawrence does in his you know, this season and a half that he's played so far that are actually good. I'm omitting the rookie season again. He's higher in every statistical category. And in the playoffs, we know that Dallas has the label to consistently underperform. But he's honestly had the best playoff performances out of this whole group, statistically speaking. He has the second highest passer rating, only two slots behind Kirk. You know, he averages 280 yards per game in the playoffs, total yards per game, which is the highest out of this group of quarterbacks. So, you know, I'm beginning to wonder whether or not my Dak Prescott hate is justified after looking at the numbers. So statistically speaking, Dak Prescott has been a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence so far. Yeah, and so as you bring that up, I also believe that Dak Prescott's best years of his career were earlier in his career, and I don't think he's currently playing at that same level he once was. For whatever reason, I feel like he has taken a step backwards in the last couple of seasons, and he just hasn't really found a way to get back. He still has a game every once in a while where you're like, Wow, he played really well. Like that game this last week against the Rams played really well. He still does that sometimes. But I just, I don't think he's quite the same player for whatever reason that he was earlier in his career. Just had a lot more turnover issues, less yards. And maybe it is because they've just had more talent around him. But I always, I don't know. I feel like they've always kind of had talent around him. And that was also a reason why I think I picked Trevor Lawrence because I feel like Dak is, you know, slowly. It's not no fall off a cliff or anything like that, but I feel like he's slowly trending down and Trevor Lawrence is trending up very quickly. Yeah, I can't hate that. Um, but so far this year, they've honestly been pretty comparable stats-wise. Um, they, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, has nine throwing touchdowns. And Dak has this season. Let me look it up. I had it pulled up. and Let's see. It looks like he has 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. 10 touchdowns, 5 year. interceptions. Trevor Lawrence has 
nine touchdowns, four interceptions. Lawrence has about 300 more total passing yards uh, comparatively, but Dak Prescott also has um, 104 rushing yards and a, t- and a score compared to Lawrence's uh, what is it? Where does it go? Does it show? Full stats, where is it? Let's see. Their completion percentages kind of close. They're within 3%, 71 for Dak this year, 68% for Trevor mm. Lawrence. Lawrence, Lawrence like actually said, has more rushing yards too, but he doesn't have the score. Mm. But yeah. Slightly yeah. lower QB rating for Trevor Lawrence this year as well. But also feels feels like Cowboys are underachieving overall on offense for the year, as we talked about red zone offense, that is lots fair. of field goals. And the Jaguars, well, to start the year, they weren't very good. They've been playing a lot better recently. So, you know, a little recency bias there. Because, as you said, Dak Prescott's had a better career than Trevor Lawrence to this point. No question. Also been in the league a lot longer. Um, but uh, it is close. It is close, I will say. I believe it's close. I just like Trevor Lawrence slightly better. Yeah. I I think something clicked in that Rams game. I honestly think Dak's going to. Knock on wood, probably gonna. <laughs> it's the Cowboys come back to bite me again. It's the freaking Cowboys, but I think something clicked. Um, and I think if if I were doing like a, you know, a all things even heading into a playoff matchup, I would take Dak right now, um, over Trevor, just because he honestly didn't like play amazing in his play, in his first go at the playoffs i know that's you know not most quarterbacks are like that so but as of right now i take the experience i take um dak prescott for one season but i do think it's it's you know like you're saying it's it's gradual decline from dak and trevor's on the rise so he's another one of those that come next year or even come the postseason uh trevor lawrence could easily be ranked ahead of him i'm just going to take the guy that i know has done it before, even though he might be on a slight regression. Yeah, that's fair. I I can't hate that. So if you were to rank these quarterbacks, how how would you rank them? Ooh, this is good. This is good. Um, I'm going with Kirk Cousins is the first one in this group. I go with Jared Goff number two. Trevor Lawrence, three, Dak Prescott, four, Kyler Murray, five. And I think one through four is honestly pretty close. I think Kyler Murray is easily the worst of this group. I agree with that take that Kyler Murray is the worst of this group. I go Kirk, Dak. So Kirk at one, Dak at two, Trevor at three, Goff at four, and um, Kyler. Kyler at five, but... You know, honestly, the only one that I definitively would choose is Kirk out of this group. You know what I mean? I think Goff, Dak, and Trevor are all really, really close and really comparable. Um, Kirk is one of the most underrated players in football, even though, you know. Yeah, he gets much, too much hate He gets too much he hate. does. Because I feel like when we've been talking about these QBs and comparing them a lot— 
we're always like, oh, you know, they don't make the playoffs or they don't win in the playoffs. Like they'll get there and they don't win a playoff game. Kirk Cousins consistently makes the playoffs and he usually wins at least one game, which is probably just top 10 in itself in like postseason success, even though that's what he gets criticized for the most. So I definitely have Kirk ahead of this group. Um, it's too bad that he got injured, tore that ACL. Got to call up Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and rehab with him, I guess. Get that but, surgery, man, yeah. Well, let us know what you guys think. Where would you rank Trevor Lawrence amongst this group of quarterbacks? Um, is he a bona fide top 10 QB already? Does he still have more to prove? Let us know what you guys think in the comments. Um, and moving on lastly to the last little segment, I know it has nothing to do with the NFL, so forgive us. But James Harden, it happened. Savateur 3.0 edition, fallout, Harden fallout 3.0 again. He has screwed over another team on his way to the Clippers for... Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2028 first, two seconds, 2029 pick swap, and an additional first-round pick from the OKC Thunder. Who won the trade right off the bat, in your opinion, between Philadelphia and L.A., the Clippers and the Sixers? So taking a look at both teams, In this James Harden trade, I think it benefits the 76ers more. Um, Because the Clippers got the best player in the trade. They Let let me just take a look at the Clippers real quick. Say say what I have to say about the Clippers. So they have Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Paul George. All-stars, also a very old core, 32, 34, and 33. They still have a lot of depth after, after that trade. With Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, Plumley, got PJ Tucker, kept the untouchable asset in 27-year-old Terrence Mann. The from, yeah, got to keep him. Uh, Bones Highland, sketches so, athlete. Oh yes. <laughs> so the uh, the window for them is now, and to oh. win is now because they're old. So their window is not very big with this core group of guys, and it'll be hard for them to get better or improve this team. So this is really kind of what they got. The only way they can actually get better is by giving up their depth, which they still have, which is their only asset because they have no picks except for a worst of a pick swap until 2029. They even trade away all their seconds. So that's six years until they can make, you know, a normal draft selection. So this team does though. However, If everything goes right, which never, ever, ever, ever happens for the Clippers. um, It never does. It never will. So they have a real chance to win depending on health. And if Harden stays healthy or not, or not healthy, happy or not. Keyword, (laughs) if, because he's never happy. Never happy, never will be. So much could go wrong for this team on the flip side, though. Like, PG and Leonard have player options after the season. Harden's on the last year of his deal. So what if none of them come back? If like they have nothing, they have no draft picks. If all else fails, the Clippers will look to add stars and free agency. But if they do not land them, they will just be screwed. Like they will straight be up, 
because they have nothing. They would have no picks. They wouldn't be able to sign any free agents. No one would, would want their players in trades necessarily unless they give up the untouchable Terrence Mann. Like, <laughs> this this team would just... Like, the Clippers are going all in for right now, and if it doesn't work out, they're just screwed. They have nothing. So that's why I think, now looking at the Sixers real quick, will be better because Tyrese Maxey is balling. Um, yeah. So they felt like they could get role players and picks. Got a lot of wings back in return, which is a big thing in the NBA. All on one-year deals. So they're projected to have 50 mil in cap space this summer. And they could use that with their new depth to either trade for a player now or wait till free agency to sign someone, right? Because they have a lot of role players. Not as much top-end talent outside of Maxi and Embiid. But Embiid, I mean, that's a really good top-end talent to have. So rumor is they could still be looking at a guy like Zach Levine or OG Ananobi to add to that team, which they could easily trade for because um, they're not as good as the Bucks or the Celtics, it still feels like. But I think Joel's happy with this trade and the drama is gone that follows James Harden. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, the Clippers, I like to compare them to the national debt of the United States of America. Ooh, ooh I want to hear this. Okay. Where you make one mistake giving up everything for PG. I mean, you do it right 10 times out of 10. But it was a mistake in hindsight. Hindsight's 2020, and I'm going to use it. It was a mistake uh, because that team hasn't done jack, really. They made one one, one conference finals run, um, and they could have SGA, Jalen Williams. They could have basically what the Thunder got right now. Um. And they doubled down on it by going and getting Harden, right? This is just going further into debt, you know? They kind of figured, well, if this doesn't work out, it ain't going to work out anyway, so let's just go even further to this side of the spectrum, right? And I just, I don't think it's going to work out. It never does with James Harden. He's the saboteur of all saboteurs in the NBA, Who's to say that he's going to want to stay? Who's to say that Kawhi and PG are staying? There's no certainty with this team. And the only way that they can make this work is if they win the championship this season. Does this trade really make them that much better than a Phoenix, than a Denver? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it boosts them into we need to talk about them again even though I hate talking about the Clippers because they're always that big what-if team. Same stuff every year with them. But does this trade really put them over the edge to win the finals? I don't think so. I don't think this improved their odds that much. Um, the Sixers are big winners because they got rid of a player that didn't want to play for them, got two first-round picks out of it, a pick swap, and a bunch of tradable assets that are expiring contracts. So you can go to a team that's trying to rebuild slash tank, you know, and poach one of their stars. If DeMar DeRozan becomes available, they can go get him. You know what I mean? If, name your guy that's on one of those bottom 10 teams in the NBA, that's a star, and they can go get him if they want to. Or they can... 
have a bunch of cap space, have the picks, right? They're in a much better situation. And I don't think they honestly got much worse. Right? They were, in my opinion, the third, fourth best team in the East this year. They're still the third, fourth best team in the East after this trade, right? So big winners are the Sixers. And I hope the Clippers just to implode yet again because that's just what happens yeah i mean going back to the sixers real quick like they were a second round exit team and it's like did they really get any worse than that i don't think so i think like you said they're the same level of team after getting rid of harden he just he wasn't it for this team you know had a playoff game or two that was good but overall still struggled in the playoffs and clippers this might be your guys' last chance to win a ring. Like, Kawhi's capable, but the team needs reps with him, right? PG's really good, but he's never really got... The closest he was was Indiana, but was he really that close against the big three Miami Heat, you know? And James Harden, will he be happy or not? You know, what are they going to ask him to do? Is he going to clash with any of the guys on the team or not? I mean... I think another question to ask is what lineup are they going to play? Are they going to play Russ, Harden, Leonard, um, and PG? Like with Zubak, like does that lineup really truly fit? I mean, I know Kawhi and PG can shoot and Harden can shoot, but Harden's ball dominant. You know, that's an old team. Can they really guard the perimeter and defend at this point in their careers at the same level? Like this team is just so old man i just especially with the injury history and i don't have like you i don't have any confidence in their ability to put it together even in the regular season but on paper this team should be super dangerous it's just the clippers man clippers are stale clippers are stale it just doesn't feel right yeah you know, I can see why they did it because it was a last ditch effort to oh, remain yeah. relevant. Right. People are sick of the Kawhi PG talk because they never play. Is that going to change? If you can tell me Kawhi is good and he's going to be there for every game in the playoffs, you're going to tell me Paul George is good to go and he's going to be there for every game of the playoffs. If you're going to tell me James Harden is good to go and cares about basketball again. <laughs> He's happy. Then this team is scary. Then this team might have the best three basketball players that any team has. But that's not going to happen. How many times do we have to go down this road with the Clippers? Kawhi out for the season with, you know... Whatever it is, mystery injury, load management for the next 10 games. James Harden too busy at the strip club, right? It doesn't matter. These dudes don't play enough basketball. And it sucks because they've robbed the world of what could have been one of the best duos we've ever seen in Kawhi and PG. And now it's an amazing trio of an exuberant amount of talent that will probably never see the floor. As, it's you know, it's just it it uh, maybe I'm really pessimistic because 
Last time Harden did this, it was the Brooklyn Nets. <sighs> what happened to them? Implosion. You know I mean? So I just can't get excited anymore when it when it's involving James Harden. Because every time a team has traded James Harden, the team that traded James Harden won the trade. Yep, yep, it's true. And I think you bring up a good point when you were originally talking about the Clippers as in, you know, they might have just been better keeping all their picks and not trading for PG because the thing was with them, they were starting a mini rebuild. They had traded away um, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. They had gotten stuff back in return. You know, the team had a very rugged, you know, attitude. Pat Bev, Lou Will, Tobias Harris, right? Team was a little scrappy, but they had a lot of assets to work with, a lot of players, a lot of picks. And in order to get Kawhi Leonard, they had to get a co-star or he wasn't coming. Um, so they get both of those guys for all of that crap. And, you know, hasn't done much for them. Maybe they should have just taken the classic rebuild route use their draft picks to make good quality trades. But, you know, at the moment it just felt like such a good thing. And the Clippers felt like they were relevant, you know, again, after their history has been so bad, but it's kind of funny, even back to the Blake CP three days, it kind of feels like this team has just been kind of cursed, you know, even those teams underperformed and underachieved. And now that kind of feels like the new, history of the Clippers is just the story of the underachievement. All of the teams that got in that giant arms race summer of 2019, I believe it was, um, have all looked like they, maybe they regret their decisions, right? Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Katie, Kyrie, and then eventually James Harden, Kawhi PG going to the Clippers. You know, a bunch of shifts and big time trades for all this draft capital, even though Brooklyn, you know, they signed Kyrie and or they 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 didn't really give up that much for Katie and Kyrie. They gave up a lot for James Harden. That was the thing that uh, kind of that was for the them. trade. Yeah. So every time James Harden's on the move. The team that trades him. Again, wins the trade every time. It's it's crazy how an, an MVP one of the best scoring, I guess, players, I was going to say guards, but one of the greatest scorers we've seen in the NBA at getting to the free throw line um, ends up being the worst asset or the worser asset in the part of the trades. Well, so. I think you have to look at his play style as well. I mean, it's even different than when it was in Houston when he was that ISO score, pick and roll guy, every single thing ran through him. He's not capable of scoring like that anymore. He just doesn't have that same burst, um, the same energy that he used to have. So now he's a ball, he's a ball dominant guard who plays in the pick and roll. He does nothing for you off ball. He does nothing for you on defense. Gets a couple of rebounds, but it's mostly because he doesn't play defense. And you know, if he doesn't have the ball in his hand, he's not doing anything for you. And at times it can be a detriment, even though he is a great pick and roll player. He makes good choices most of the time. It's just always has to have the ball and be dribbling to be fully effective. And I think that's at times affected, you know, while we praise James Harden for taking less money, for taking less shots, you know, I think having to have the ball in your hands like that all the time 
is not necessarily adapting to what you have around you, right? That's also why him and Chris Paul didn't work. I think he needs to be more on this Clippers team, more willing to play a little bit more off ball to give some more effort to at least be a catch and shoot three point shooter than just pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, right? So it's kind of how I see him at this point in his career. I agree. I'm just, I'm surprised that the Clippers, you know, were so in on James Harden. Right? They could have waited to do a trade of this caliber, right? For who, I don't know. But why, James? You know? At some point, what he's done for every organization ever since he left Houston has to play a factor. You know what I mean? It has to. And I'm just I mean, surprised that the Clippers, they bit. If Harden leaves the Clippers, is there going to be a basketball team that still wants to sign James Harden I, to a I long-term money deal? Like, he's never Unless happy. Got, he always wants to leave. I don't know. Probably. That's the sad part is if you're you're talented enough, you know, after A.J. Brown lost his mind, there were still teams willing to sign him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Tell the last straw. So when will it be the last straw with James Harden? That's the real question. So. When he decides he wants to retire to the Houston strip clubs, own his own club, make own a lot of money, club. you know, he's got he's going to really enjoy his life after basketball. And, you know, we'll see when he decides to make that flip. But for now, <laughs> still a basketball player. It's true. Well, let us know what you guys think about the James Harden to the L.A. Clippers trade. Who do you feel won the trade? What's next for Philly? You know, what's next for the Clippers? Uh, Are the Clippers screwed? I think so. But until next time, 